Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, where it's cloudy and about 42 degrees and a cool day in the, uh, for the end of April. Uh, Fishers, Indiana is located north of Indianapolis, Indiana, the capital city of the state, and we have about 100,000 people in the city. And uh, happy to bring a, a group of people to you live, teachers today from Athens, Greece. So don't go away. We've got a really neat program coming up. And I want to thank the Apple Corporation uh, for letting us do this Apple podcast, for which we've been doing for a while now. And um, please subscribe to the broadcast. You can subscribe and you get all the broadcasts come to you immediately. And you don't have to look for them. They come right to your email. So you can don't forget to subscribe to the uh, podcast. Now, today uh, we have, uh, we've come back to Athens, Greece. We were here several weeks ago with uh, Christina Rocha. And Christina, the Spanish teacher at the Athens uh, International School, is um, going to help uh, in our discussion today. And I'm going to chime in from time to time about... Uh, what her school is doing to um, weather the storm and get through the, um, the online teaching as they, uh, schools were closed down and still are, I assume, in Athens, Greece. And uh, they're going to talk, she and uh, Vinny and Katerina, Vinny's an ESL teacher, Katerina is um, a, Greek te a Greek teacher, and they're going to talk about what they're doing too, some of the methods they're using and strategies uh, to improve their teaching at this critical time. So everybody out there, listen, get some good ideas. Don't go away. All right. Good morning, uh, Christina. How are you? Good morning, Tom. I'm doing well. How, how about yourself? I'm doing good out here. Just uh, moving on. We're just kind of moving on here. We, we still are uh, pretty isolated due to the virus, and um, mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty much... Uh, a quarantine type situation around here so uh, you only can go out to the supermarket or the pharmacy so um, except we do do a lot of walking here pretty much uh, right now we are on still on lockdown we're in our second month now and uh, we on Monday they will start to lift measures because our numbers have been pretty good so far so we're looking forward to getting out without having to alert the government on Monday. Right, and that's pretty much what they're trying to do here. They're going to try to yeah. open up next week uh, some businesses. So hopefully that will go well. So we, we still don't know that, but we're hoping that everything goes well. Um, okay, uh, Christina, thank you for being on the show today. And also, uh, should I forget, uh, and, and uh, Katerina and Benny, also thank you very much for being on the show today. Uh, it's an honor to have all three of you on the show. Thank you for taking time to be on the show. And uh, we're hoping that we can get some good information going, good discussion going about some of the, the tactics that you, uh, you, you teachers there in Athens are using uh, to teach online. So a very vital, important thing as we go along here. So, uh, Christina, it's, uh, I'm going to let you uh, start. And we're, I believe we're going to start talking about speaking and some of the mm -hmm. techniques that you use, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, in, well, the, but in before, any world language, let, let, in any language yeah. classroom, we pretty much want to make sure that we're still covering in our virtual classrooms all of the four main skills of language learning, and that's reading, writing, speaking, and listening. 
and uh, cover, we still have to assess our students to make sure that they're ready for next year. Uh, and just, to, you know, as any languages are building blocks, really, we need to make sure that they are still um, grasping the concepts that we're covering and uh, so they're ready to move on to the next one, to the next unit, to the next topic and everything else. Um, but uh, so I was thinking we could just go by topic and our first one is speaking um, and my colleagues will chime in as well uh, with the different types of uh, methods that we use in our uh, virtual classroom. As I mentioned earlier, we've been uh, we've gone virtual now for, this is, uh, I think it's our eighth week of, uh, of virtual learning. So we've had some time to work out a few kinks and to learn some new tools. And uh, I'll, I'll just mention one that uh, I, our school uses um, Moodle, which is uh, the learning management system. I know that there's quite a few out there. Um, but through Moodle, we use uh, BBB, which is otherwise known as the Big Blue Button which is uh, accessible through our Moodle, uh, where it's a, a, an online learning space where we can hold meetings. Uh, and uh, we can also, one thing that uh, I really like about BBB, uh, Big Blue Button, is that through these meetings, we can uh, also put the kids into breakout groups up to, we can uh, in, divide up to eight groups per class. So. This is a nice way where uh, students can practice different types of um, speaking prompts uh, and uh, conversation skills and, and things just to get uh, practicing that the speaking part of uh, what we're covering. And which tends to be, I think, one of the most challenging things is to make sure that they are keeping up with pronunciation and practicing learning the syntax and, and correct grammar and everything just to be able to communicate. So, Christina, before we continue, I would like you to say a few lines about um, yourself and where you studied oh. at and your husband. And, oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I am a Greek-American, and I've been in Greece for 12 years now, living here. And uh, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and I married to a Greek. And so, therefore, I'm living here and very much enjoying it. <laughs> And I teach Spanish, by the way. Um, so, uh, Vinny, what what um, tactics do you use for the for the speaking, the strategies of, of speaking, and uh, and you're teaching ESL. So, yes. And before yes. you say I anything, before by the way, I'm Vinny. Yeah, and could and, you tell um, us a, about where um, you're from, etc.? Um, I'm, I teach ESL in the middle school, so um, we receive a lot of students with very little proficiency of English. So in our case, uh, it is very important that we boost their confidence in speaking the, the, the language. So speaking and writing, or both oral and written output, is one of the most important parameters that we need to focus on. Okay. With my ESL students, I use a lot of prompts. Um, and, and because of the fact that I really need them to start, because it's from they're, they're from different um, background, from diverse cultural and linguistic backgrounds. So it is very, very important that you get the students to speak. Um, I use a lot of prompts. I will use a lot of pictures so that we can um, actually um, uh, something that can trigger their motivation, that, that, that something that can... Um, 
uh, trigger their imagination, something that they're interested in, something that they're comfort comfortable with. Um, for example, the other day, we I used a painting we did. We were doing a, um, a unit about art, the need for art. And I gave them a picture uh, of Pablo Picasso, Weeping Woman. So um, we... We, everybody started to contribute to the conversation about the colors and the lines, and uh, they did a little bit of a research. So um, what I also use is quotes. So I give them a quote, and based on that quote, they, um, they, um, we start a conversation about what it is, what it means, what it means to them, what resonates with them. Um, so yes, um, a lot of presentations, they do a lot of oral presentations online. Um, they, I, I do not use Flipgrid or, you know, those uh, fancy uh, <laughs> new uh, tools that uh, are all over the place now. But um, they, I, I, all I, uh, they, they present something, they, they create something. We do a think-out-of-box project, so it's a summative assessment. And they create something they have a passion for. So, for example, they did, um, um, we did human rights, for example, the other day. And um, they, we ha I had pictures of uh, uh, people from all over the world. And uh, they described the picture and uh, they explained what it was and what it is that they created. Um, so yes, a lot of prompting and a, a lot of pictures. I use a lot of pictures and quotes to get them to speak. So now, are the, are these pictures? You you put them up like in the form of slides, I assume, right? Is this yes, like Google yes, Slides? Yes. Google Slides. But also pictures they create themselves. Uh -huh. So for the Think Out of the Box project, they do a lot of drawing. They 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 paint. They draw. They create. They. Um, and then uh, there are, there's a, a certain uh, questionnaire which they have to present uh, to the rest of the class. Love the idea of creating there, that, that they're creating. And I think that's phenomenal. And it certainly speaks highly of your program immediately because uh, something that sometimes could be lacking in classrooms and that you're obviously really dedicated to that idea of the creativity aspect of teaching, yes, which yes. is hugely important in world language teaching. Um, so, um, Vinny, where are you from, Curiosity? I am Greek. You're, you're Greek? From, yes. From birth, so you, you speak Greek and English, and what else? I speak, I speak Greek and English. I, have, I studied classics, and um, I did my master's in applied linguistics. Um, I've been a teacher of English for, I'm a certified teacher of uh, English as a second language and Greek. And um, where did you learn your English at then? In... Uh, I have an ESL background. I mean, I, I, I learned, um, I, I was not born bilingual. <laughs> I learned how to speak um, uh, English with, uh, with a teacher. Okay. Well, you did very well. Beautiful. Your English is beautiful. Very pretty. Beautiful English. Wow. Incredible English. Yes, beautiful. Congratulations. Um, now, so, um, and then uh, Katarina, on the speaking aspect, does that enter into, if you're teaching Greek, do, do, you, do you deal with that or, or, or not? 
I'm of, just of curious. Course, of course, we deal with that. And uh, we try as much as we can to maintain the climate of our classroom and make it as much as possible close to the original atmosphere we have in the class because um, my primary goal is to maintain interactivity and make the student use the language as much as they can, although we do not have the ability because we are far away and the, the contact is not the same. So uh, the breakout rooms in the big blue button function we have on Moodle, uh, it's very helpful for me because always my lesson is structured uh, with the, we start with a class discussion and they can use their microphones and uh, we exchange some ideas and then they work in smaller group where they can practice a new concepts, they can discuss with each other. And usually uh, I'm combining these breakout rooms, like today, for example, I combine it with the, the use of Google Slides. So they have to create something using the language, discussing the ideas uh, uh, among them, and then make an oral presentation uh, with the, through Google Slides. So this is something we use very often. And um, uh, I mostly prefer uh, the, the original communication, even with online it's not the same, but I try not to use many options uh, like um, Prezi, we used uh, once for presentation, Animoto, uh, some videos, but also other colleagues in my department use them a lot. But I prefer that um, it's something simple that students can do. They don't have to learn a new tool, but um, they have to interact between them. Yeah, that's that is is that not extremely important here? I'm assuming it is. Yeah. With, with with online teaching, the simplicity of the strategy really helps, right? Where you, you don't have to sit and repeat how to do it 10 times and yes. the kids can get actually, right into the activity, yeah. I wanna just piggyback on what Katarina was saying. It's, I think it's this, the fact that we're able to put them into the breakout groups to, to, to interact with each other is a wonderful way also to use it as a, as a precursor to you know, the, the preparations that they have to do for projects and things. Um, for example, uh, they have, uh, we're at the end of our quarter now, so uh, we're doing performance assessments, mm -hmm. and my students have to do a presentation, but what I had them do today is, uh, in the breakout groups, I put them uh, with their partners so that they could practice their presentations with each other first, and practice um, giving feedback to each other, to hear each other and give do active listening and be able to give appropriate feedback, uh, and they did that with two different partners. And then after they'd had that feedback, including mine as well, because um, we can also visit the different breakout rooms and hear them as they're speaking. Of any? Taking, um, taking their, do uh, all the feedback, and then they take all of that, and then they can present. They can do it through Google Slides. I have them do it through Flipgrid, uh, just because afterwards they can also comment on each other, and they like that interactivity. Okay, um, so quick, a quick question for the, the, the listeners yeah. here. Uh, can you uh, 
Christina, tell them how they can get Flipgrid and, and okay. Google Flipgrid Docs. I, I'm, I'm sure they probably have Google Docs, free, but who knows? Uh, which is a great, it's very nice that it's free. So uh, a teacher can just create an account uh, just with, a, with an email, basically, create a password. And uh, then you can make grids. Um, you can have different, with each, with each grid, which is basically a topic, you can give them to different classes. And you have a prompt where you can write about inside and it tells them what they need to do and they or you can also write the directions anywhere else but it gives them it's very easy to uh, to just read they they click and they record with their phone or or online with their with their laptops and uh and what's nice about them also they can make them creative they can put emojis all over they can make them really cute and and fancy if they want to uh, kid, they like to do that. And also, if they don't want to show their face, because some kids are shy and they don't want to, they get to, with their emojis, they can always cover themselves a little bit. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a nice interactive tool. Mm -hmm. Now, Vinny, what about uh, Google Docs? I, I have a question. So let's say yeah. the listeners about Google Docs, how do they get Google Docs? They go to Google, and then what do they do, you know, to get downloaded and all the, get ready to do that business? They say at Google, what do they have to do? Because I'm not sure everybody does, you know, I don't know if everybody does the same thing or not. So in case they didn't, how would they get all the Google uh, teaching tools? Oh, you mean uh, Google Online. Docs? Online, yes. You said Google Docs, right? Yes. So in the top, top right-hand corner of Google, if you go to your email, for example, if you have a Google email, uh, then in the top... In the top right-hand corner, there is there's those Google apps. Uh, the dots. The dots, right. right. Yeah. The, the nine dots. Mm -hmm. So you click on that, and you will immediately see a Google Doc uh, somewhere in the middle. It's like a it's a it's a blue page that says Docs. So you, if you click on that, it is very simple. You just create a new, new Google Doc, and. Um, you can uh, you can name it, you can save it. It's automatically saved, and you can share it with as many people as you want. Uh, the good thing is that Google Docs are never lost; they're they, they're there forever. Mm -hmm. So it practically saves your life. I've been, I've lost so many USB <laughs> sticks and so much material that was on them. So Google Docs are, are there to stay. So when a student is is um, submitting uh, a piece of work, uh, a written essay, let's say, because Google Docs are usually uh, I use I use Google Docs for written tasks. You can um, actually add a comment. And um, the student automatically sees the comment that you have made, the feedback that you have given to that particular written task, and they can change it accordingly. And the good thing about it, another good uh, aspect of it is that um, you can actually see the history. So mm. if you resolve the comment, uh, mm. you can go to the history, which is, uh, again, in the top left-hand corner, in the right-hand corner of the, um, of the, of the page, uh, with a little speech bubble there, and uh, if you click on that, you see the whole history of the actual document, whatever feedback you have given to that particular student, to that particular essay. And Vinny, and this also, just to piggyback on that, this is a really nice way to also see if the kids are copying and pasting. 
um, yes, because yes. a lot of, you know, in languages, this is something we worry about, right? Uh, how much of their writing is authentic. So we can always see, uh, and we can see when they edit it, um, mm -hmm. if it was copy-pasted, etc. So, and it's a live document. It's in constant change. So we can always see when when was the last edit and by who and so forth. So, so it's very, may I, may I guess? Yes. So, sorry, uh, Katarina, you wanted to say something about Google Docs as well. Uh, and Google Slides and the other. Yes. It's very good also because uh, when I make them work on something like that, I always ask them to add my name to share it with me. So while they are working, I am following their work and I can uh, give them some ideas how to continue. So it's a more interactive uh, on that way. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. You're absolutely right. No. So you you can be on the same doc uh, simultaneously. Doc or slide and Google the Google Docs or Google Slide because Slides is is another tool um, which is the yellow page, right? Mm -hmm. And you can create the presentation now, there. So what, just like PowerPoint right. through Google. Yes. Now yes. so. What about? Uh, I just wanted to go back to what you said before about breakout rooms and um, the interactivity that between among the students. Um, what we really need to focus to to understand though is that we have different levels of of, of speakers of proficiency. So there are times when uh, when in, in case, for example, the the the, ch the child, the student, is not ready to produce any output yet um, because of the because he or she has not reached the particular threshold of the language. Then they it is very important that they have an adult there, a moderate, um, uh, a monitor, uh, um, a facilitator mm -hmm. to actually um, facilitate the conversation, the discussion. I use a lot of prompts. I use speaking as ma mainly as a warm-up activity, as a pre-reading activity, or as a post-reading activity. Um, which is a great idea, by the way. That's very is, nice. Which, and then you work it into the reading and whatever exactly. and whatever. The scaffolding of the reading. Yes, you yes. Scaffold the reading. Right. You, um, you get ideas. You help them understand the reading. So and you help them consolidate new concepts, new vocabulary. Um, now, how many people are in your classes, by and large, as an average? How many people would you say your average class size is at the school? Maybe, what, 15, 20? Uh, in, well, in, the, in the ESL classes, we don't have more than 12 students. 12, okay, okay. 12 is a good number. So okay, it's, uh, and I think it's, Christina, the same, 12? I'd say between, for for standard class, yeah, I'd say between 10 and 20. 10 and 20. And yeah, Kat, that's an average, right? I mean, it right. could be more than that, Or of More or less, yeah. Katarina, same? And for me, um, the smaller class is 14 and the biggest is 20, so okay. between 14 and 20. So the kids are working online, they're in their rooms, and you move them around, they go to the rooms, etc. Do they always do what you ask them, or do you have a couple kids that, being adolescents, maybe that don't do what they're asked? And then, if they well, don't, what do you do? Can I say something? Yes. Uh, at, at the beginning, um, I know that some of them uh, probably had uh, a video game or something uh, 
because I could understand when I was asking a question, they were not responding immediately. But what I noticed uh, at a later time is that they got bored with that and they started participating more. And even some students who at the beginning, when we were in class, they were not participating and they were acting like the clown of the class. Uh, they found out that um, now they have to participate uh, so I'm getting better results better. from this type of That's students. interesting. Better better uh, overall participation, right? Because you can really make sure that you're calling on everybody, they're all participating, and you can see it. Yeah, that's that's a good part of it, isn't it? Yes, that's really good. Yes. I, I think, Vinny, did you want to say something? Yes. Uh, I believe that it, this also has to do with the with the school you're teaching, um, yeah. you're teaching middle school or high school, because the maturity level of adolescents in the middle school is not what... Uh, it is in high school, right? It's not the same, <laughs> let's say, it's not the same when you're yeah. So sure. adolescents in the middle school are, I, I, I believe at least, are finding it more challenging, and, and especially when, because our case is a little bit uh, difficult because in the ESL we have to be uh, we have to make our students be up to par with everybody else who is or native who is a native speaker of language and things need to be fast and efficient mm -hmm. and they feel more the pressure they feel the pressure of having to learn the language in order to they don't really learn the language just to have fun but they have that there's a different parameter there as well yes. that puts a lot of pressure on them and the stress is sometimes unbearable. Um, so, um, so, so the maturity is, is totally different. For example, I have a lot of kids. I feel that being, um, having good classroom management skills is of utmost importance. I mean, if you, if you need to have this amount of this percentage of good management skills in an onsite classroom, if you teach online, you need to work on your it's a whole different story. I think the management, the classroom management, totally is different. More yes. demanding in an online in an online environment. Right. Um, so, um, back. Can to, I add something to that? Yes. Um, yeah. Basically, I think, and like with any, what you mentioned, like it really does a lot have to do with the school. But I, I also think so much of it also depends on. The, the actual school and the administration and, and what our expectations are of students. Because uh, so much, I think, is also as a result of accountability. Our students know that this is not just vacation time. You know, we're not doing it to pass the time, but we it's real school. They have grades, they have expectations, they have assignments, and they have to attend class to clarify and to, to be here and to practice with, with their teachers and interact with their, with their classmates. So the, they have a, there's a high level of accountability as well. And I know not every school or every district, depending on, you know, there's different, uh, there's different policies. Uh, but this is what we have, and, and, and it, it's working. It's working, but the expectations are there that it will work and that students yes. will, will also that, work with us. And that's so important, the expectations of the teachers, right, in the department. Mm -hmm. and. And what is expected yeah. of the students, and especially in the speaking game, too. Um, one of the things that happens in the middle school and high school, and uh, Vinny, I was 
fortunate enough, I, I spent nine years in a middle school, and then I taught high school for 26 years. And uh, so I was able to see both levels, you know, the, mm-hmm. the differences in the adolescence. But one of the things I always found that that was that was true is that there, the the big thing that helps immensely is the teacher and complimenting the students and, and dealing with the affective uh, level and to make sure that it's high and that the, the positivity level yes. stays high. Yes. Is that a big challenge online? That yes. must be. Mm-hmm. Is that really a tough, tougher than it is live? I mean, is it easier live to give out yes. that positive feedback? Yeah. Yeah. Big nature classes, um, uh, we are more satisfied from the atmosphere because uh, they want to perform better in order to satisfy us, and uh, the entire learning process is even better in that way. So are you guys dealing then, I assume, that the comprehensible input and the TPRS, is, are those the two yeah. big items at the moment in, in your strategies? Is that, um, is that how it's playing out? Uh, the comprehensible input, we used to call that uh, total immersion. <laughs> That's what it was called in the, the old days. But it has a different name now. They, we, we actually taught comprehensible input in the 90s, the early 90s, we were doing a huge amount of comprehensible input. And it evolved, and it still is, but it, it, from the total immersion concept years back. So, but, so we're at comprehensible input, we're at uh, TPRS. So when you do the readers, then are you doing putting the work out in PDFs, like the, the chapters, is that how you break it down? And your readers to hand it out to the kids? Like if they're doing a reader, and you have the PDF of the reader, you can you can take out the chapter and give it to them. Or how do you do the readers? Or do they get the whole reader? I guess they could get the whole reader. Okay, can I talk? Yes, yes uh, absolutely, Katrina. Moodle, Moodle is uh, of a great help in uh, the, for the reading because not only we can uh, upload PDFs of the books we are reading, but also we can. Uh, give links to different articles so they have a very rich um, reading session and uh, we always refer to that session uh, section and we tell them can you please go and read that and then Mm -hmm. let's discuss it in different ways so um, having everything on the same place on Moodle on the platform is very easy for the students Katrina, I had a question for you a while ago, and I it was wasn't thinking really very good about this, but in in further thinking, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, so you're teaching Greek in an international school, so obviously you get a lot of people who don't know Greek, right? Uh, yes, or half half the we are class. Teaching Greek in two different levels. We have Greek uh-huh. as a foreign language, and also Greek for native speakers mm-hmm. uh, who are more advanced. I have taught both uh, levels, but I'm also the uh, coordinator of the Greek department, so I have um, I know also what my colleagues uh, are doing. Um, so I, I I have the idea from ele- the elementary, the middle school, and the high school. Well, you're doing very well with your English, by the way. It's very, very beautiful English as well. Very nice, beautiful English. English. uh, So our school, it's the American Community Schools of Athens. 
and it's a, an American international school. So the uh, it's an English language campus. Okay. Everyone has to so speak everybody's English. Got, so okay. this is why we also have a, a strong ESL population as well. So you have a big ESL population. So, Katrina, you you have a challenge then, don't you? That's quite a challenge. And Greek is not, Greek is not an easy language to learn, right? I mean, it's fairly difficult, it's right? It's not. It's challenging for most of the students. And the, also at the beginner's level, the population is very diverse. We have uh, students from uh, 10... They might be from 10 or 15 different countries. So they learn everybody through a different uh, language. So it's very difficult because um, they are using their own mother language. They are using English, which is the language of the school. And they have to learn the host country language. So um, this is challenging for many of our students. So uh, um, I used to teach Greek uh, just the parentheses, I used to teach Greek at the elementary school years ago, and I used a lot of TPRS, and I think that this is the only, actually, uh, the only approach that works with very little ones. I used to teach Greek to kindergarten and first graders who spoke no word of English, of Greek, and it was a lot of thematically based units. I had created my own units, but I used a lot of total physical response. Excellent, and excellent. The results yes. were amazing. I yeah, think it yeah. works a lot. So um, here's a question for all of you people there in Athens. And, and I was fortunate enough in, in undergraduate school, I had a double major. My other major was philosophy. So we were constantly reading Aristotle and Plato and all of these beautiful philosophers. Now, is that popular? I'm just curious. Do people still study that a lot or, or not? In, in Greece, do they study those great thinkers or not? I'm sorry. Do they, study, do they study the great thinkers a lot in, in Greece, like Plato and Aristotle and, and those classics. people? Classics. I mean, is that popular or is it just a few people like, because it's kind of that way here, you know, it's certain philosophy certainly not one of the the hugely enrolled um, um, disciplines in the colleges, the small colleges, it's still popular, but but not as much. Is that it pretty is much popular? As... But uh, I think that not many people go in depth. Yes, they don't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Do it. All right, all right. We're gonna move on. I think it's as a matter of fact. I really think that it has to do with the trend as well. I mean, everybody's into business yes. and math and sciences right so um and steam, steam. <laughs> steam. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it's 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 the challenge here as well it's it's science and math all the way pretty yeah, much yeah. when the math, small exactly. the small colleges so are struggling of, uh, and they do study um in greek schools um in the curriculum they do study a lot of uh um they do philosophy mm -hmm. and uh, well, Good. in Greek school, I think it's still a requirement in the Greek public schools. They, they, uh, in Greek class, they also study you know, the Greek. history, ancient Greek. They have, they, and it's a requirement. They have to take ancient Greek. Okay, so let's move to, so we, we've talked about speaking, 
and reading. Uh, anything that were you, that sticks um, out in your mind that you'd like to one, talk about reading? Yeah, one thing yes. I wanted to mention for reading, which is also nice, uh, which is a nice interactive thing uh, for, it engages videos and things, and I'm sorry, not reading, but in comprehension, you could say, in general. Um, if you, uh, Ed, uh, it's called Ed Puzzle. Um, which is uh, another site, and it's, uh, I think there's a basic membership right now that is free. It's right now it's free for educators because of the COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis. Um, so it's very simple to use. You can pull videos from anywhere, um, or you can make your own videos, and you can upload them, and then you insert different um, comprehension questions. So as they're watching a video or as they're watching something, it could be a lecture as well. Um, then uh, certain questions pop up where they have to answer them. So it's, it's in a way, it's like when we, if we want to assign a reading or assign a video, or they have to, maybe they've, uh, if we're flipping the classroom and, and putting up a video that has us teaching a concept, um, that could also, Ed Puzzle is nice to use for, for that because for, we can also um, assess their understanding through that, and then we get a report of those answers as well. And it can also be used as assessment. So uh, they're, for ESL uh, students, uh, what I have also found very helpful is Newzella. Newzella is um, with, uh, it gives you a, the lifestyle ranges and all, so you can actually have differentiated learning there, differentiated reading for different levels of, of English. Um, but I have also been using TED Ed lessons a lot because um, they have great articles. They are TED, um, mm -hmm. TED from both TEDx and TED Ed lessons uh, videos, and um, well, that could also be used as listening, listening comprehension. Yeah. But also, they have great articles there as well on uh, TED, and they give you. Wonderful, uh, there's great, wonderful scaffolding and um, uh, questions for uh, students to answer. And it's also free. It's also yeah. free. Do you, use, do you guys use uh, YouTube a lot for the videos? Any YouTube yes. stuff? Yes. Culture yes. videos, yes. music videos. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible mm -hmm. with music. The, mm -hmm. the videos anymore for, for music videos are phenomenal. For language teaching at, at, at uh, YouTube, you can also you can you can teach grammar through. Uh, yeah. I you I use uh, music. I use songs to teach grammar mm -hmm. um, a lot. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> so it's uh, fun. Yes, and it's catchy because it's the repetitive lyrics, so it gets stuck in their head. It, yeah. it, the problem is that the songs I choose, they don't really like it. They don't really like the songs. They're old uh, fashioned, they say. Yeah. Well, you and know, they still end up singing them. The, yeah. the, the, the other, the, the other night, I, yeah. the other night I was on uh, you, or, uh, YouTube and I was looking at uh, the concert videos. So I ended up going to uh, one uh, Mark Anthony. He was in Viña del Mar in, Val, in Valparaiso, Chile. They always had this beautiful festival every year, musical festival and film there. And, and so anyway, he, he was singing, and Jose, Jose Perales, uh, Perales was in the audience, and who's a famous <laughs> singer from Spain, of course. And he came up and sang uh, Como Es El, and he mm. sang with, with Mark Anthony, and Mark Anthony was a big fan of his. 
It was, it was yeah. interesting. I, I had no idea it was, but and, and been influenced by him a lot. So that there's there's good to being old sometimes, right? I mean, older because we, you and know, it, it and you guys are certainly not to old know yet. How but, old a certain song is? No, it has a catchy tune. Exactly. Doesn't matter, right? Remember, I, I use the Mark Anthony song. Teach Christina. It depends yeah. on who you want to teach. I, I wanted to teach because I was the other day. And I wanted, <laughs> Of course, the, the obvious choice was "Wish You Were Here," the Pink Floyd, right? <laughs> here's 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 one for you. Yeah. Let's see if you remember. Remember the ketchup song? You don't remember that, do you? No. No. I, maybe I should play it a minute. If I, I'll look it up here and play it in a minute. Okay. But it was done, and it was the biggest hit. It was a while back. It was a long time ago. I don't know what year it was. Maybe twenty years ago, or something. Twenty, twenty-five. And everybody went crazy over this ketchup song. It was done by a group in Spain, and uh, just like Despacito, probably. Despacito and, and yeah. what, what was the other one? The other dance? What was the dance that was oh, popular? Remember that Macarena. dance? Macarena. The yeah, Macarena, probably. yes, the Macarena. That was another one. But it's it's funny what happens in time, right? So, like the kids, whatever is popular now, some whatever. And there's always something, right? There's always one or two songs. And uh, and somebody yesterday, my wife gave, sent me this thing of Kelly Clarkson's song in Spanish and French. And she sings it in German and this one song. Uh, I can't remember the title off offhand. But it's mm. in Spanish. And then uh, what's the guy's name? Blas Canto, who's from Spain, mm. apparently popular, very popular now. It's hard to keep up with the singers, right? I mean, you have to admit, even in the what it, you know, even in the U.S., it's hard to keep up with music. Every, yeah, pop every, culture, it's always moving. But it's moving; it moves so fast, and especially with the technology today, that it's it's very difficult to 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 keep up, you know, with 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 what what's going on. And I think when we talk about this uh, online uh, remote learning, uh, online learning. One of the things that strikes me is, and what you guys are saying and things too, it's a lot of work, and you, you mentioned this, but it's a lot of work for the teachers to plan. But, and there's oh, yeah. so much happening every day. There's new stuff. You know, you, you think you're really on top of it one day, right? You go, oh, I'm doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, you'll run into another teacher who says, hey, have you tried this yet? And then you go, whoa, you know. So it's hard to know what really... You need to, where you need to be and yeah. what matters. I think sometimes. really one of the things um, to keep in mind is, and we've been told this as well. Okay, like maybe like every week have a different focus. So you know we don't really want to um, go overboard because there's so many different tools to use. But it's getting comfortable with one and use it well. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, and then maybe two weeks later, you know, try a different yes. one. Beautiful. Um, but well, basically, yes. it doesn't. You know, sometimes less is more. You know, it's it's how we it's how we do it, and we're all we're all uh, challenged at this time with our with the time to you know to to plan these lessons, but also to give them the time to give feedback as well. Because, you know, with everything, we give them assignments. And the assignments, we have to give written feedback, usually. Um, it could also be oral feedback, depending on what the task is. But this all takes time. So that's also a big part of it is time management and how, and how what are the assignments that we're actually yes. um, 
and, know, and, actually and keeping and assessments. Yes. How are we choosing to assess our students? And keeping. Do you guys want to talk about assessments? Simple. Yeah. Katarina, you get in there and say. Our goal in mind, and yeah. then select the tool because sometimes we end up by trying tools, 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 and we no, don't know uh, why exactly we use this particular tool. So first is the uh, setting our goals and then choosing the tool. Yes, and and again, back to practical goals, right? Practicality, right? Yes, it's, it it's has huge. To be easy, really. No one wants anything complicated. No. We, don't want, we don't have time, you know, right. to try and fail or you know to troubleshoot for, for a long time. This is interesting. I, I guess. Uh, I guess sometimes at the very beginning um, we were trying because the amount we teach is the, the numbers we yes. teach, the, the number of hours we teach nowadays, uh, these days is uh, through the virtual learning, I mean, uh, are, are fewer, right? I mean, we teach, we see our kids one or two blocks every week instead of three blocks a week. So at, the very beginning, so at the very beginning, when we saw them once a week, I think it was, it was we, we, we felt the pressure, sometimes you feel the pressure of, of, putting everything in one lesson, adding yeah. everything in one lesson, but uh, we need to focus on what matters and what is important. The practice. Prioritize. Yeah. 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 Uh, the forums was uh, of a great help because yeah. I was using very often forums and I was asking to my students to discuss asynchronously uh, some uh, topics and get some, uh, have some interaction between them. So this was very helpful, and uh, although now we have more time, I'm maintaining the forums because uh, by repeating the same idea many times, and also because I have two sections of the same class, and I'm putting them all at the same forum, and 40 people are discussing the same thing, by discussing and repeating, repeating, they learn very well that. And they retrieve ideas. They get ideas from various. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So this this practicality idea is that in Greece, I think it pretty much still exists in the United States very much, and that is that methodology today is still very much based on practicality, and what is practical yeah. for you yeah. is what's best for you. In other words, one can't go in and say. TPRS for everybody, right? And then what if you don't like TPRS? And then there are many teachers out there that have their beautiful methods and they're practical and they get these incredible results with their students. And to have to say that we have one way of doing things is, you know, and I like your idea about the practicality. You know, practicality is very, very important in teaching. And I think we have to be careful that we keep things, like you guys were saying, very important too, Keep it simple, you know, that we, we, get, we have to go little by little as we go along teaching. You can't just, you know, go, get off on one tangent and, and stay there a lot. And then sometimes we get into trouble with that. Um, what about writing? We haven't said anything about writing. What, what are you, what's your favorite things for writing? And then with that, uh, another question for you. When you have the kids write or you're speaking or reading, what are your favorite two group situations? Do you prefer having the kids in pairs of two or three or four? How do you go about that? Uh, one of them. Katerina, you want to start? Sometimes two, sometimes three. Sometimes today I had six together in a big class. 
and uh, it depends on what we are creating. So if we are um, today, they were creating uh, Google Slides. It was uh, also oral and writing. So um, they, I wanted them to exchange ideas. Um, sometimes in smaller uh, tasks, uh, they can work in couples, in pairs. Uh, it depends uh, on the tool. And Google Docs, as Venny mentioned before, really uh, helps a lot because we can give them feedback. That's my yes. favorite one. Yes. Okay. Although we are also using the shared notes. Mm -hmm. uh, Christina, what about your diary? I thought you saw you had something oh, about diary. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mention that yet. So, well, okay, there's this, uh, there's an assignment that I started with the kids when we first uh, shut down, and that was where they had to write um, every day they had to write in a diary, uh, and, um, just, I, I have the assignment where I have a bunch of different guiding questions, you know, what's going on around them in their neighborhood, but, and in their country, but also what's going on outside in the rest of the world, uh, no matter where, it could be maybe in their own home country, because they may be from a different country, or, uh, in a Latin American country, just to focus on uh, keep it connected to Spanish for our class, but generally just to keep, you know, and just to be able to compare and, and talk about that, basically connecting the situations to themselves, but how they feel about it, and, um, and be able to communicate about it, just talk about what's going on, connect the language with, you know, their reality, um, and, uh, and so I started, they started to do this, um, we started to do it as a uh, with a Google Doc as well, where they can just um, start running this diary. But then I decided to actually move it to Flipgrid and just keep it oral, uh, so that as if they were like a historian and uh, they're creating their own little vlogs, and then they have to uh, respond to each other and and listen to each other and respond. So in that way, it's also interactive. Um, but this, the diary was, uh, it's a nice, I, I like that idea for them, for writing as well. Although I, I would prefer that they would write it with their hand, because I think right now so many kids are always using technology, uh, and to write it with their hand and then, and then turn it in when they do come back. So uh, that's also another option. Um, but, um, and oh, another one for, is um, thinking of good news, because, you know, we're always surrounded by what's wrong and all. I mean, it's, it's pretty traumatic when you think about it from a kid's perspective. I mean, many of them are, are scared, you know, they don't know, they don't understand, you know, so much depending on the age of the student. So another thing is uh, looking for good news. And there's a site, uh, actually, it's called, if you Google some good news, it'd be great for English because they're all in English. Uh, but I, I have my students uh, take a look at some of those or, and, and then and then report on it, but in Spanish. So they could do that in any language, of course. Um, report on it through writing or through speaking, basically just to keep it on the positive side. Excellent, uh, Vinny. What do you do on your uh, on your writing? I know you mentioned. Uh, um, here, I love I love using the forum um, as a discussion board. Let's say uh, where everybody can contribute and have an online chat an online discussion about any topic um when we do formal written tasks we use google docs a lot for drafting and essays um, and they actually do peer assessment on their essays as well because the google doc can be shared with both the instructor and um, a classmate and they get 
feedback from the classmate and as a second draft they get on, on their second draft they get feedback from me and then they finalize their draft the draft on the same uh, Google Doc. Um, we do a lot of jigsaw writing activities with my mm -hmm. lower classes because um, um, I also teach social studies in the, within a, the shelter program for ESL uh, where I have simplified the language and um, my students for the time being are working on a play, on a social studies play. Uh, it's called Time, uh, Lost in Time, Trapped in Time, sorry. So they know their, their script, they know the plot. The plot. So um, they, they have been Beautiful. working simultaneously on Google Docs in small groups and every group is writing their own, their own scene. So uh, when the time comes, we'll connect these scenes together so that we can see what the play looks like. And then, you're, and then uh, if you were live, they would, you, you would be able to do it if you were live. If, if you were well, yes. on the same place, you, <laughs> that was the original they, goal. they would be able to act it out, right? Everybody could yes. act it out, yeah, and then was, you could this, video. Actually, this is the, this yeah, is that's the a great idea. Goal. Beautiful. I mean, this is how we started and working it, on it. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, of every unit, we work on um, we work in the play, and we work in the play because um, every scene refers pertains to different civilizations. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Hopefully. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep our fingers crossed to see if we're going to play it live. Well, that's that would be that's a, a fascinating. And uh, Katarina, do you use uh, skits a lot, where the kids talk uh, in in Greek? Yes, and, and the, or write not, the skits. Not, not that time, but in the past, uh, I've uh, I've used them a lot, and uh, I made them create um, write their own stories. Yeah. And then uh, have a, a puppet theater and taking it to the elementary Beautiful. students yes. and uh, playing with the puppets. Uh, this year we didn't have uh, the time for this project, but uh, we did uh, a project with the students uh, writing uh, fairy tales and uh, reading them to the elementary students. And also now we are uh, working on a research project where every student have, has uh, to choose a, an aspect of the Greek uh, civilization, something that concerns the past, the present, or the future of Greece, and uh, to do some research and uh, create uh, a research project. So beautiful, beautiful. Time. Yeah, that's. So this idea of theater, the theater, the theater, and acting out and skits, uh, and comedy and, and, and skits. Uh, do you guys think that has a big role in uh, in language learning? The the oh, idea of theater, because I I've often wondered. You know, I don't think I've ever seen this, but I've often wondered what it would be like to have a textbook for a class where it was all built around theater. You know, skits and starting out, and it was all skits the whole course. They love the whole course. The whole course. If you had a whole course on, it was like live theater every time, and the kids would act out. And but, can you imagine the proficiency for speaking they would have at the end of the course? Oh, and, and the confidence. Yes, the confidence, especially with with lower level students, yeah. um, with with lower proficiency, uh, rather. Um, it builds it boosts their their confidence in, in in the foreign language. And if it the the the, the problem sometimes in the textbooks are that 
like you in the conversation course, for example, even at uh, if you were doing conversation or or even at the here sometimes at the Kaiser they have these conversation books, but there's no real sustained theater, you know, throughout where there's you know total interaction all the time, you know, where the kids where the material is is uh, usable, where it's practical. So you'll get a course and they'll have this grammar, the imperfect subjunctive in Spanish and the pluperfect supuntivo. And, and this will be in the conversation class. And these are things that you would never use when you're speaking. I mean, r- rarely, right? In, in basic conversation. So I guess what I'm saying is everything gets overloaded sometimes in books. And we go back to what you guys were saying, which is beautiful. Sometimes the simplicity of things if it's developed correctly, it becomes complex, right? The simple becomes complex, and that's kind of the goal, right? And, and what you guys said, I think, and uh, sometimes we miss that in, in some of the books, I think, sometimes. But what about that, Christina? Do you like that idea or not? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot. Uh, there's a, I think the, more, the, more, the most that we can connect with them, like from their reality to what we're doing, so use language that connects, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, it'll have the best results. And uh, I know that uh, one of our uh, one of our other Spanish teachers at school now they did um, they're actually creating um, health advisories in Spanish, um, and uh, so you know it's just being able to use the context of what's going on uh, and make it make it relatable. I think for the kids, no matter what it is, I mean, if they can act it out, they can speak it out, dialogue, whatever it is, write about it. But if it's something that they can relate to. They are, it's like they understand it, they have more motivation, you know, it's, it's not just something out of a textbook. And we, you know, many, a lot of us, you know, we're chained to a textbook or to a curriculum, but that doesn't mean we have to follow it to the T. I mean, exactly. You know, we, we, we have to prioritize. We see, okay, yeah. what works, what doesn't, what's boring, what's interesting. Yes, exactly. Right? Another idea that can really work now we are online is, uh, I haven't tried it yet, but I... It's a, a radio theater. I did it uh, last year in class. And this is very, it, it's something easy we can do now because they have to write the script. They have to uh, pronounce correctly. They have to explain. They have to act. And then we can record it and have the nice, and they also put the, the effect. And it was uh, something they really enjoyed. And we can do it again now. I'm thinking this yeah. something can be done online. Mm-hmm. And it also brings in those kids that are interested in the behind the scenes, you know, with like the theater and technology and editing and all of that, the theater management, basically. Yes, and it, there's so much in the media, media studio type of, you know, work. We love looking for the, the effects, the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love that. Yeah, beautiful, excellent, all, excellent. All the main interwoven all together, right? It's listening, yes. it's speaking, it's writing. It's, it's the fun. Language, it's the fun it's things. Everything. You know, sometimes I, I remember I used to do these skits and the kids would make up TV commercials. Really, it was crazy and zany. Mm-hmm. But they, you know how people love commercials, you know, TV commercials. Well, many of them are very creative, you know, most of the time. And uh, we would have these competitions on TV commercials, and they would come up with some of the neatest things, and we'd videotape the things and uh, 
playing back in class and they'd dress up and whatever. But TV commercials, another fun thing, you know, with with um, uh, uh, speaking and, and creativity, incredibly interesting. Um, you, this, um, so how do you grade? How do you grade everything? Uh, I, I, looking at your assessment and things, do you try to just use a global type grading on the speaking, for example? Do you say one through five or something, five is outstanding, or, or do you have all these complicated okay. things? The rubrics. Yes, oh, the rubrics, yes. The, the, the rubrics, I always had this <laughs> philosophy, when, and, and when I, I used to have in the day, I would, in high school, I had taught six classes a day, and I usually had 25, 28 in the class. So they were, and Spanish classes were always very big. It was very popular. It's still popular in the United States. And uh, we'd have rubric time, you know? And uh, I just got to the point, if I, if I wanted to give an oral test, and I used to give them every lesson, I'd always give an oral test. And uh, I just decided that I would just do a generic... I, I would sometimes I'd have themes and then they'd ha or do skits and things, and uh, so but the kids loved it. They got used to it. They got used to speaking in front of a group. It was a theater, etc. And I just usually used uh, uh, I would either do one through five, and uh, right. if they spoke the language the whole class, and I give them things that, material so they could do the whole class. And if they were able to do that, I'd give them a five. And uh, now. Some of the rubrics are very uh, aggressive, you know. It's like, uh, is he a, sound like a native speaker? Or, uh, well, of course they're not going to be native speakers when they first start out, right? I mean, how can you use those when you're beginning? Everybody understand what I'm saying? How can they be native speakers when they're beginning, right? And uh, so some of these rubrics I found to be absurd sometimes, very absurd. And what happened well, was... And what happened was, I, I noticed that the more people that got, just followed the rubrics to the T, they ended up not, and I followed this for a while, and they ended up not testing orally hardly ever. And they would say, there's just too many in class, I can't do it. And they give up. So my thought was, don't give up and just do the best you can with rubrics. And then people, there was a criticism, well, the parents are going to get mad because the student might have gotten a five if he's to talk Spanish the whole class, but maybe his grammar wasn't terribly great, whatever. But do you know if somebody's talked Spanish for 50 minutes in a class with another person in a pair and they have to create language for 50 minutes? I mean, that's about the, as high as you can do, right? That's incredible stuff. And, you know, so if we get carried away by some of the rubrics, sometimes we don't do enough of the the oral testing, and I think that's the sad part sometimes. we, The expectations get really blown away, and then sometimes it infects enrollments, you know, like from level one to level two to level three, level four, and the more exigente, demanding we become with some of this, we lose enrollment. And, uh, and I always found that it was like osmosis. The longer the students took it, by the time they got through four years of it, they were much better in the long run than they ever would have been with tremendously uh, difficult uh, rubrics for the first two years. And then they quit. And then they went on, and many of them studied at the university. But there was, there was a, a continuity to all this. And uh, I don't know if that makes sense or not. What do you think, Christina? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, of course. But I did, the thing is, like, to be honest, I've never really followed another rubric. I've always created my own. And mm-hmm. I think with all the different, depending on the assignment and what's going on, I mean, it's nice to have different rubrics. Correct. Um, we know what we are wanting to assess. So mm-hmm. we know what we're looking for. You know, it's not, I, I would, I wouldn't really follow anything generic mm-hmm. um, because we know our students. We know what we've right. covered. We know what they know and what right. they're capable of, mm-hmm. of producing mm-hmm. and uh, showing us that they know. So right. um, just making sure, you know, we cover those skills, you know, reading, writing, uh-huh. listening, Correct. speaking, uh, comprehensibility, exactly. pronunciation, exactly. you know, context, how much context right. are they giving? Right. Um, so it really, it's, um, what do you guys think? And then we come back to the idea of simplicity here. Yes. If we have simple rubrics, we don't need to go through over and over again. They know from the beginning of the year that we are looking to these three different points and that that's what they have to fix and that's how they want they have to to work on. So we don't repeat them. We don't have them all the time in front of us. We, I just remind them the three words what they're looking at, and then that's it. Yeah. Same here. I think rubrics need to be student friendly. Good. That's that that's students it. Can yes. Understand? Can yes. actually see their own progress and take ownership of their own progress, and they can actually compare to what have a goal and see what they where they are at and what they can be. Yeah. So reason why I do a lot of peer assessment as well. Uh, so the students grade, evaluate, assess their peer based on a rubric that I have created. I have simplified my rubrics for the students to be um, to be more comprehensible for the students. So the students now know what the expectations are for that particular level of English. Because um, if you look at rubrics for the, the, the WIDA and, um, mm-hmm. and the CFR, the Common European Framework, and uh, the TESOL, yes, they're there, but they're more complicated. Um, I don't think that they are student-friendly rubrics. They are te- they are um, there for the teacher, but the teacher needs, I feel, but that we need to uh, simplify these rubrics. And, you, and you're also using the, the students, it's, it's like... Uh, peer teaching, right? Where they're actually helping each other all the time. That's beautiful. Self-assessments. Have them see the when you give up the assignment, show them the rubric. They need to know what they're going to be accountable for. Good. Yes. And so always uh, out front with that, right? You you would say, Christina, that that's the first order of business, the rubric. What I have found very very interesting and valuable, to tell you the truth, for this particular period of of time uh, for virtual teaching uh, and uh, online learning um, is peer deck assessment. I create, a Google, I, I create Google Slides. So, for example, when a student needs to uh, has to present something to the rest of the class, they go online, they present it, and there is um, and I have prepared a, I, uh, I have prepared a Google slide presentation which I convert to um, a peer deck presentation. And students can actually um, access through um, access this peer deck presentation and add them and give their feedback, uh, give a grade, um, give their comments, um, and the students and the presenter is able to see what they did well and what they need to improve on. Excellent, Christina. What about uh, I noticed you uh, use um, 
Kahoot a lot in Quizlet, right? Can you tell yeah. the listeners about uh, those? Kahoot. So I use Kahoot for review. And uh, now that we are, uh, it's nice, actually, it's a nice game for them to play because it's interactive. And you can also do this as a virtually. Uh, we play, we, we're doing this a lot actually now because it's the end of the quarter uh, and end of the units. And um, so they can um, just, uh, also Kahoot is giving, um, I think, I think it's free. Uh, Kahoot, there's a basic membership. And then there's, uh, I know our school has paid, I don't, I think our school has paid the premium. I'm not sure yes. if it's yes, a general do. thing, but um, I, actually I think Kahoot is, is offering premium now to everyone of freely, but I, I'm not sure. Um, but it's, what's nice about the premium membership is that you can also not just have it during, uh, for virtual classrooms when we actually meet together, but also to assign them as the same uh, games to be assigned as challenges. So they have, they take the week or however long they have the assignment and they can do it on their own time, but they're still competing against each other to see who comes out on top. Um, so it's still a game, it's still competitive, but it's uh, at their own pace. Mm -hmm. uh, so they can do this and not have to be in the virtual classroom together. Uh, so it's, I, I really, I like Kahoot that it, it has that, uh, it's really great for review. And right. a lot of Kahoots are already ready. You don't mm -hmm. have to create one. You just look for them and uh, find one that you like. And you can edit them as well, make, customize it to your, to your liking. Uh, and uh, yeah, so... I, I like to use that at Quizlet. Also for Quizlet Live is a nice game for them to practice their vocabulary, to emphasize that. Uh, and um, Quizlet is, uh, I think it's also free. I'm not, I think it's, well, I don't, I think it's free for this year. A lot of companies are, you know, they're, they're, um, gracing a lot of these tools for uh, the educational use because of this virus. So a lot of, um, a lot of tools out there are now free. So uh, definitely it's something to look into. If someone's not, if someone doesn't know any of these tools and they're interested, I'd definitely to check it out. But most of them are free now, at least until the end of the school year. So are you, are you looking, um, are you, uh, the three of you looking forward to going back to live instruction? Or yes. would you like? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's nothing like being live, right? And being yeah. in the classroom. and We miss them. And yes. they miss each other, you know. I mean, it's there's nothing like, you know, face-to-face, -face, though. No, no right. there's nothing like it. And, and we are adjusting. At the beginning, it was much harder. But today yeah. I asked a class and they said, hmm, okay, maybe, why not? <laughs> well, and then the, yeah. the, the the most difficult challenge here, from what I read about the online learning and the et cetera, et cetera, is that um, the online learning at the elementary level, the middle school level, especially, uh, not quite as much as high school. But the big problem is that the parents who are home working at home, uh, they have to end up being the counselor for the student. They have to be yeah. the cook in the cafeteria, yeah. and they do all these duties that we take for the nurse and all these things. So they're taking all these duties that, that happen at school. So mm -hmm. I think everybody's really realizing now how huge the responsibilities are for schools and what they do in a day. I mean, not just in the, the teaching, but everything. I mean, the, the, 
this, the, the whole spectrum is enormous, enormous. And uh, so I think there, one thing is going to come out of this. There's going to be a lot more appreciation for education than uh, what you guys are doing, the teachers, and what uh, everybody related to the administrators, the staff in the schools, uh, cleaning up after the students. Now the parents have to clean up at home. So there's all these things that go on that we, we, don't, we just take for granted about live instruction that... Uh, and there's something about it. It's it's life, and it's uh, being around their their peers, and you just can't beat that with whatever Last connection. Yeah, the, connection. Li the live exactly. connection, yeah. the yeah. human, the human connection. And it's not yes, human connection, and yes. plus the learning. I mean, you have so many different types of learners. You have kinesthetic learners, acoustic learners. You have visual learners. So virtual learning is 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 um. Is something that only some learners can do. It's not for everybody, I feel. Right, yeah. right. Um, now, so uh, I, my biggest gripe about all of this, the online things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to think this is silly. But, you know, of all the advanced technology we have, et cetera, et cetera, we're still typing, right, typing. And I get bored. I, I really get bored typing. It's, and I'm not bad. I'm a pretty good typist. But I, I get so <laughs> bored typing. And, uh, you know, there's the audio. You can talk into the mic. And, but it makes a million. It still isn't perfected by any means. But wouldn't you think we would have a better way of doing this other than typing? You know, it's, it's really typing, right? I mean, that's what we do, right? Don't You guys do the same thing, right? Are you typing all the time? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot no, of... Oh, yes. I mean, that, I think that's one yes. thing that uh, I really miss because I think it's really important for the students to write with their hands. Yes, and, exactly. Um, they, yes. They, unfortunately, they don't really have that opportunity right now. I mean, they, they can, some of them still do. They print out things, they fill it out, and they show, and they take pictures, and they mm -hmm. send us the pictures. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but not everyone is able to do that. They don't no. all have printers, you know. Exactly. So, um, but... If they can, I think this is great. You know, have the keep keep writing with their hands because they they need that. Well, listen, we are about at the end of the show here, and it's been a wonderful experience, and I'm sure the listeners are going to get a lot out of this. It's just incredible information from a variety of great teachers, and what a lucky school that your school is to have you three as teachers. Uh, you, your passion for for teaching is astounding. And I wish there were more teachers like you. And uh, there are a lot of them, though. There's some great, great teachers all over the world. And we're very blessed in, in this planet to have great teachers. But uh, especially to have three today coming from Athens, Greece. And to what, to, far as I can tell, as I'm recording this uh, show on the Garage Band, and we're getting great audio and, and visual, right? I mean, this has been astounding. We have had no breakups or anything. And Athens, Greece is a long way from Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know how many miles it is, but it's a long way. And uh, <laughs> at any rate, it's astounding, the technology. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, uh, I wish you all the best of the best of the best. And, uh, and I hope to see you again sometime. I, I would love to come to Athens sometime. And you guys certainly could yes, come definitely. anytime you're in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's a, you're welcome here too to visit us. And uh, we have a really nice town, a nice city, and it's uh, very much in the heartland of the country. So they're very great, loving people here. 
you probably find it the most friendly place in the world, actually. But uh, people are extremely friendly. Um, so uh, thank you so much. And um, we'll be in touch some way, sometime, yeah. right? And uh, uh, do any of you ever go to the ACFL conferences, the ACTFL conferences? We don't, we don't have ACFL here. It's an American thing. Right. Right. We have Teesville conferences. Yes, yeah. you do. Yes. But that's it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been to some conferences in Madrid and in and, and, and Barcelona, but I, you know, that's pretty much my extent of the conferences in those places. But uh, um, at any rate, um, it's been fun. It's been exciting. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And mil gracias. Thank you for yes, thank and, you, Tom. And it was fun. And uh, the, uh, if you stay online for a second, I'll talk to you a minute when we end the show here. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and we hope you got a lot out of this. And join us in two weeks for another Tom's World Language Cafe for, and on the Apple podcast. And thank you, Apple, for sponsoring the program. Uh, thank you very much, you guys. Awesome people. Thanks. Bye. Bye.